Hello and welcome to the Creating a Greater Perspective podcast with your host and personal development coach, Lara Penfold. Over this series, I will be sharing some wonderful conversations with you, with some truly amazing people, people who have all been affected by cancer, who have all used their experiences to create their own new perspectives so they can move forward and live a life beyond cancer. Today, our podcast, this series is all about life beyond cancer. And for some of us, that will be that life will be without some of our most loved people in it, because we all know very well, cancer can lead to many lives being shortened to what they probably should have been. Today, I have invited Nicola in to have a a chat with us about lots of things. (laughs) Nicola is a specialist in complex emotional needs within the NHS. She was also a therapist in a private practice as well. She's a very wise and wonderful human being, but also happens to be my cousin. So welcome, Nicola. Hi. (laughs) How are you doing? Okay, thank you. Cool. Thank you. To the podcast. Cool. Thank you so much for being on this today. And I, I wanted to get you on because, you know, we've had conversations at family parties. Now, it was back in 2020, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back in 2020, my uncle, who Nicola's your dad, passed away. And what I wanted to really try and capture today was a conversation about when you lose somebody within the experience of of having cancer but actually how we we process and how we deal with that and really you know where the cancer stuff comes into that and how we live beyond losing somebody from an illness like that so before we go into that stuff Nicola can you tell me a little bit about your dad and and tell me what obviously I know what he was like but from your perspective Talk about your dad a little bit. So if the accent doesn't give it away, we're, a, we're an East London family. And he was, I guess, fairly stereotypical by the work he did, the family standards he had, the way he lived his life of somebody from the old East End of, of London. He did driving jobs. He did publican jobs. He worked on the longest street market in Europe selling fruit. He had strong family values he was quite concrete and quite black and white and his in his thinking things had a place in in every part of his life and they needed to be in that place he was somebody who stepped back a bit you needed to go to him and while sometimes it was quiet he would be very proud of, of his of his family's achievements but he could have been described by lots of people i think as the life and soul of the party but actually was incredibly shy a very mm. very shy person so he was strict when I was a child and fun at the same time. So I, I guess there were a lot of good balances, you know, between having somebody who had very strong boundaries and could be really containing, but could sometimes be really fun and quite embarrassing sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. We have to have that in families. That, that, that's fine. I wanted to start off by talking about, for me, Uncle Brian, Um, and for you dad because I think sometimes 
when we go through these experiences, we forget, you know, we must not ever forget who the person is. And, you know, the cancer as an illness mustn't ever, you know, shadow over who that person, who that person is. We're going to talk about a quite a sensitive subject of losing someone and going through that process and how we live beyond losing a loved one, because that doesn't just, it doesn't just apply to people who have lost people who have had cancer. You know, people lose people from many different walks of life. The cancer journey affects not only those people who are diagnosed with it, but it affects those people around them too. You know, the people who are family members, even sometimes people in the communities as well, you know, who are helping to look after, or if someone is a in that community and, and they're taken away, that, that does have an effect on them. And also of how people then go on and live their own lives as well when they see that somebody goes through that. And grief affects many people in so many different ways. And I suppose coming from your sort of professional background and your sort of theories in that, can you sort of talk to us about what is the process of what's happening when people lose someone? Yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot of theories around grief. Some are, some are older than others. and. Um... And I talk about loss, which is what happens is you you lose somebody, as you said, from your life with, yeah. with clients a lot. And and how we process that, you know, there are theories like, you know, I think it's Kubler-Ross's got, you know, it's stages, which no one ever goes through in a nice straight line. So if you look at them, that's not how it happens. But generally, you know, we feel that uh, injustice or anger that something's happening that we have no control over and we don't want to happen. And, and, uh, and it can't be happening, that sort of denial. It's not it's not happening this isn't going to happen to me or to us and you know we have to go through various stages of feeling sad feeling the pain of that very much about what that person individually represents to us what gap will they leave and actually sometimes people who've been a, a bit of a negative influence they're going to leave they're always going to leave a gap and it's what that gap leaves that's the painful part or the anticipation of the loss is very painful so there's really deep sadness when they're going through that and and then you know what a lot of the theories we'll talk about is acceptance and that's probably the bit that's most disputed now because it's almost you accept and then you have closure and move on which is yeah. what, what you're talking about I think and there's a lovely model by Tonkin which I call the fried egg model which is not how it was actually put out there as a theory it's just how <laughs> I talk about it but it's kind of if you drop an egg into a frying pan that that yellow bit that hits the pan is your is your pain is your grief is your loss or potential loss and that's the first thing you can see and that's you're in that that's the only bit but then the white part gradually grows I mean in in the model unlike an egg it's it's infinite it can keep growing so everything else in your life is still there it becomes overshadowed in the immediacy of it when you're in it but the important part is to see all those other parts in, mm. in your life which rather than accepting it is how do I live alongside it and not make it the thing that colours everything 24 hours a day in my whole life? So it's a bit like you said with the cancer, it's more than that. There's all these other things as well that go with it. And I think the other thing that I see a lot, I guess, in therapy is what we let go of, what we lose and what we're free from. And sometimes there's a little bit of, of 
guilt or you know because I, for example with my dad he was quite complex under all that shyness and sometimes I had things that I couldn't talk to him about or were hard to talk to him about and so it was sort of saying to myself it's okay to let go of that because that doesn't ha- you don't have to do that now that didn't mean I loved him any less mm. but it meant you know what I can I can not worry so much about those couple of things with him that were harder subjects to, to talk about so there are then all of the reminders in your day-to-day life about those gaps and the other thing that people can feel guilty about is you can love someone very much but they weren't really everyday part and parcel of your everyday life so the mm. missing is different so I think with all the theories they never quite take account of just how complicated personal and individual it is yes and and how different it is whatever training you've had when you're going through it yourself yeah yeah most definitely because like from a professional point of view there's like all the theories and and things that that you know about and you go okay I see this in other people and it's always easier to see when you're not in it because you can see what's going on whereas when you're in it it's totally different and actually it's happening so you know how how did that work out for you that you know (laughs) being from the theory side actually to to being in that some bits were my um my safety my safe place because although i'm a mental health nurse i've done a sprinkling enough of ordinary general to just i knew what was going to happen sometimes and again actually it's where do you fit in your family what's what's the role you've been assigned in your family are you the carer are you the wild one are you the fun one you know what who are you so that was a real real at the same time thing so so on the one hand when we got to the end part of dad's illness i had a good idea what to expect where other people in the family didn't Mm. that was helpful then at the same time people expected me to be a nurse and a carer and the strong one and i didn't always feel like that at all yes yeah and there was a, a a real good example of how complicated this is in that dad was very private and his approach and his attitude to cancer, I don't know how unusual it was, but it, it was it was perhaps difficult for people around him that he chose to be that way. He was also of a generation that believed doctors were always right and know what they're doing. And you don't question them. And when he was really very stoic, but actually experiencing some discomfort towards the very end of his life, he refused to have any medication or, or take anything at all even paracetamol and when I tried to persuade him he said well you're not a real nurse so what do you know (laughs) so it's you know so we didn't want him to be unnecessarily in discomfort but unless the doctor's surgery or the nurse told him nothing else was going to was going to do it and I'd noticed a shift I'd I'd noticed that he'd stepped down and I knew what that probably meant and he would not call the doctors so myself and his partner and my sister all agreed that the time span between the next appointment and now at that time was too long and they really needed to review him quicker um, but nobody wanted to go against his wishes because that was something that was the rule in our family you didn't do something if dad said not to mm. you didn't do that it was how our family worked and I called the GP surgery and said please don't say I've called please please don't say I've called because my dad will be really annoyed with me he's very proud and he'll be really angry but I actually think that he can't wait five or six days and I wonder if you could bring the review forward because I can, you know, he's, he seems to be experiencing these symptoms. And the very well-meaning nurse popped around and said, your daughter rang, she's worried about oh. you. Um, 
and that was probably one of the but actually one of the most difficult parts of the whole thing because my dad's partner and my sister were I'm so glad it was you who did it and not me still <laughs> still didn't want to get in trouble so yeah it was like we're not going to get told off and um, um it was very close you know I mean less than two weeks before he, he we lost him so I got really told off oh. and so that was really difficult because yeah. I, knew I, I knew I'd done the right thing yes um but I had to take the, the exactly that Lara. I had to be in trouble and I yeah. had to be told off and he kept ringing me and leaving me messages and I was absolutely like six years old oh my god I'm gonna get told <laughs> off this is terrible but and he, he did he did tell me off and then it was exactly as dad was he told me I shouldn't have done it and these people are very busy and I really shouldn't have troubled them and he told me off and said you know don't do that again and I said I'm really sorry it was just because I love you and I was worried about you and he said well yes but you know you shouldn't have and I said okay and then it was done and the next day he sent me a message and said I love you I'm proud of you yeah but in the moment it was really nothing the cancer nothing changed my relationship with him where I no. did not want to be told off by dad yes <laughs> so you know and when you know you're about to lose someone those moments are precious and it's difficult yeah so being a professional having all that training was helpful but it was a bit of a double-edged yes because you 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 know more information than probably some other people going through that and it's like ah uh, i know what's coming next almost and and anticipating that and sometimes and the fear of the anticipation of what yeah. is to come is is can be so much more of what actually happens yeah when it does come along yeah yeah i think it's it's great that you know that he was so himself right up until the end yeah. And I know that we had a, a conversation the other week and he was he was saying sort of like, what's what's yes. you know, yeah. what what's the time? Yeah. And you know, how much longer? And you yeah. go, what, what do you mean how much longer? How much longer? And he was like, Well, how much longer have I got to wait? And it was, you know, he didn't he didn't lose his sense of humour or yeah. anything no. with that. I mean, his decision, we, we didn't know, but you know, four and a half years before he'd been told he only had a few months, probably. He, again, he decided that he wouldn't think about that and he would just carry on with his life. And he made a decision to do as much fun as he could, but to protect us, which would have been very him. And you wouldn't have persuaded him out of that, that we would have wanted to know. With hindsight, given that actually he did have four and a half years, I'm okay with that decision. If it had only been a few months, I might have felt differently because we didn't change how much we saw him. We didn't, you know, we all did everything just the same, which was how he wanted it. And he carried on being him. And to the point that in some ways, I almost forgot that he had cancer. Yeah. And then he never mentioned it really. He never talked about his cancer. And as you said, he used his stubbornness, his fairly uh, philosophical, practical way of dealing with things to deal with it. And, and what he'd said is that he didn't want me and my sister there when he was at the very end because it was about his being dad, being standing up. You know, we yeah. had little routines when we visited him. So those routines wouldn't happen if he was in a bed. I kind of felt that when he turned that corner and he knew that he yeah. might change his mind and he did. So that was yeah. helpful that, that actually I trusted that would happen and, and we went and we stayed. But he was bossing everybody about from the 
bed and the nurses moved the bed and he to within an inch he he was saying no 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 you need to no not like that what you're doing move it there and yeah he he called us over and was you know when how much longer and I had no idea of what he meant and he said well until I die and I said and I welled up and I said I don't know dad I don't know and I said are you worried and he said well why would I be worried I've, I've never worried about anything in my life I'm not gonna worry about this just wondering when it's you know I, I thought it'd happened by now sort of thing it's all a and bit then, inconvenient <laughs> yeah I've, I've got everything in its place I'm ready you know oh. when when is it gonna happen and um then he just stopped for a second and then he said are you worried and then there was that moment of I can let him be dad and I said I am I am a bit and you know and I got really upset and you know said I'm, I'm really I don't want this to happen and I'm gonna miss you <clears throat> and um he just squeezed my hand which was very dad there wasn't a great long mm. conversation about it or uh, then when he did need a little bit of personal care which he would find very difficult as a very strong independent person what was special to me was he let me do that and it was okay because for the family it felt like I was doing something a bit nursey yeah I felt very touched that he allowed me to do they were very small things that but he yeah. allowed me to do and and also at the very end we were able as a family to think about how we would do that and I, I guess from that point of view knowing what was likely to happen was a bit more helpful but talking to you here I do think I felt quite a burden of not being able to let go of being the professional Mm, yeah. And the expectations on me. He asked me to look after his partner and, and my sister and I said I would. One of the significant things that happened was I'd separated from my husband, ex-husband. I chose not to tell him. Yeah. Um, that was quite tough. Tough on me, but still the right decision. Mm. How like your dad you are because <laughs> you wanted to protect him. Um, yeah. in that moment yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it was he handed over the mantle a little bit there you know and I wonder well I don't wonder I'm sure that just like me when everybody thinks you're being strong your pain is just as great mm, yes <laughs> when Definitely. you're being the one who's carrying it it's just the role that you've somehow taken on somewhere and got good enough at that you carry on doing it I suppose yeah. sometimes you know when you want to put it down it's quite difficult and actually quite alarming there was one day that I did lose it. I just got incredibly upset and tearful, to, you know, with proper childlike sobbing. Yeah. And both my stepmom and sister didn't know what to do with me. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's not what she does. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, why is she in that place? And definitely with him, it was very much, I've got this. They'll be okay. I'll take care of things. You yeah. Know, even though I didn't always wants to do that I wanted to crumble in a heap and just do nothing but yeah it's... and I, I think we always all have to realize that actually we all have to process things and we process things in very different ways and you know whatever it is that we're going through even if you are this strong person on the outside like you say it we don't feel it any less just because yeah. it, we look like we've got it yeah. all together yeah. We've still, got, we've still got feelings going on yeah. inside and I suppose I'm just relating back to my own diagnosis and I suppose I went into a bit of a hiding for a little while to just be like I just what on earth's going on this is 
this is so confusing, I'm so angry and, and all of these feelings. And they had to come out. They had to come out because I wouldn't have been able to have moved on if I hadn't released some of those feelings, you know, whether it was crying, whether it was screaming, whether it was hitting a pillow or, or something or just physically just being on the floor or going to bed or whatever it is, just there was a shift that happened. And I think when we lose somebody, there's an energetic thing, isn't there? There's an energetic shift of that person, their, their energy not being around yeah. in the way that you've been used to them being around. And, you know, we hear a lot of the time, what well, I've heard a lot of the time, oh, we lost sound so to cancer. We've lost someone to cancer. And that sort of, I feel a little bit funny about that because mm. it's almost like giving giving cancer the, the what's the word? Like the... Oh, power? Yeah, yeah, like the power. It's like, it's like giving cancer th this massive power over us. But like with your dad, he was him till the end. He wasn't, he wasn't defeatist to this, you know, cancer had got him or anything like that. And I know that we spoke before, you were saying actually, you didn't actually feel like you lost your dad to cancer. No. And that mindset is very different to people saying, I've lost someone to cancer. How, how did you get to that? What's your understanding of that? How do you get to that mindset? I was, I was reflecting on that after we spoke because <clears throat> the other thing is, you know, he was, he was 80. He was just not long after his 80th birthday. And, and it, the other thing that people say is that was a good age or they had a good life. He was an otherwise fit, healthy, enjoying his life, contributing part of our world. And the time wasn't, that, that didn't make it any easier. And why he died was, you know, there is a little bit of a collective, isn't there? Oh, you know, an, to be fair, like an understanding, other people have lost someone to cancer, as you say. Mm -hmm. I just never thought of it that way because he didn't ever speak about his cancer diagnosis or treatment in any great detail. He really didn't make it that big. So that made it a lot easier. And I don't think it would have made any difference to my loss if he'd had a heart attack or a stroke or been in an accident, he died. Yeah. And that happens to be the thing that he, he died of from the, the reason that he died. And my anger was he wasn't ready. He made himself ready because he was a very kind of, as I say, pragmatic person. In, once he reached a point where he thought, this is coming now and mm. he very much was in an acceptance place which made it so much easier probably for everybody else i wasn't ready for him to be gone um yeah. i still miss him and so it it wasn't so relevant to me but i remember my sister-in-law was in her early mid-30s and um, she had quite a rare um cancer it was a very sad journey in that thought that she was in remission they thought it was cured and then there was a rapid and aggressive recurrence we lost her and I was trying to think did that make any difference but I don't actually think personally I label that as cancer it was it was a destructive thing that got into her something happened an illness a, a thing mm. that took her life again I'm not sure that I would have felt it's almost like cancer becomes like this living thing <laughs> this person this, this yeah this, it's, it's like it's the enemy can, isn't yeah, it yeah yeah whereas yeah, she could have had some other rare illness. And what wasn't fair 
was was the loss of her from our lives. We didn't want her to go, but death is really actually random. It comes to us all, and there are a variety mm. of ways it can get us. And um, it just, I'm not quite sure why it isn't that relevant to me. My, my nan, um, at my other side of my family, nan to, to ours, Lara, was, um, had multiple sclerosis. And I wonder if that actually, uh, she's probably why I became a nurse, but and, and our, both grandparents were quite stoic and that's same and, and I'm not saying we have to be there's nothing wrong with saying why me and being upset and all of those mm. things using the word stoic with caution but but something about a, a an approach and an attitude to life and I remember she said that the MS is a, an unwelcome guest but I just have to live with it and I liked that and that she went for life and chose what she could get so if she couldn't use her left arm she was but I can still use my right Mm. <laughs> if she yeah. couldn't walk but I've got a nice wheelchair and I'm, I'm also cautious not to, to say that we all have to have a bubbly get out of bed full of positivism you know attitude and that that can save the world but maybe being around that framed how I don't really hate MS or hate cancer they're in there amongst the things that can come along and cause our demise you know it's it's yeah. loss that's painful <laughs> yeah it is the loss and I think there's a couple of things there you know the the historic attitude is for me i think it it's people really knowing who they are and knowing that they are more than an illness yeah and they are you know yeah. death does come to us all and it's it's a really i don't think we talk about it enough no. um at all you know i i talk about it with not in a morbid way but with my children that you know this is going to happen you know, this is going to happen to us all, not in a way that catastrophizing it. It's it's this is nature. This yeah. happens and and everyone will go at one point. And yes, we will be sad and understanding that process of it. But no one it's no one's immune from that. Yeah. And, you know, and another thing is about, you know, it doesn't matter how much time we have. You were talking about, you know, if your dad had had a few months or or years it's about always making the best of mm. of what we have because we don't know we mm. don't know so let's let's stop wasting that time of um you know holding back and really living mm. beyond what it is because i think some people can get stuck very much in the grief process of what happens and you know we know that the person who who we have lost isn't going to want that person to, to stay stuck they want them to go on and they want them to live their lives you know they want them to to really use every moment that they've got to to say do you know what i'm still here and we know no one knows how long we've got but let's let's know who we are let's enjoy what we what we like and move forward and progress and live beyond the illnesses that we support other people in or that we're affected by mm. by ourselves and and with that loss i think a massive thing it's like even in a breakup when you lose somebody whether that's through death or a breakup or you know a, a business breaking down or a partnership or whatever it's creating those new habits that you have you know your routines are going to change you know 
where you would normally sit and you would talk to somebody next to you, they're no longer there. And that feels uncomfortable because that's not your normal routine. And some people, you know, they've been together for years and years and years and they go into that way of life and they always expect that person to be there. And when all of a sudden they're not, that feeling of loss, and I would probably say maybe a bit of emptiness there as well. Mm. Actually, it's about going through that cycle of change, which is really scary mm. in itself, because knowing that something has to change and it's unfamiliar and we don't know what that change yeah. is going to look like is difficult. It is a difficult thing to go through, but we all can do it, yeah. but we all need our own timelines, I think, on yeah. that. And there isn't a rush. And, and we are all very individual. I, I'd say, you know, myself and my sister have, we, and we were very closely alongside each other. And, and I, what was helpful was we, we sort of almost out loud noticed our differences, you know, and said, how are we going to manage this then? Because you want to do this and I want to, to do that. And the routines, um, as I didn't live close to dad, so I didn't, see as much of him because of the distance but we had routines that I didn't actually really notice till they were gone I guess mm. um, he would ring and it followed quite a set pattern of conversation um, I never ever spoke to my stepmom it was always if I rang she went and got him we didn't yeah. we didn't stop and talk uh, not we weren't we just didn't that wasn't the routine the routine was that she'd call him he'd ask a series of questions I'd ask him questions back and he would say nothing much he'd just ask me things about my family and the children and everything um, every week to every two weeks, I'd get that call. She now makes that call. Oh, wow. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that she does that. We never spoke on the phone for yeah. 40 years like in that way. So that that's given me something. And, and it's gradually got a little bit further apart, but it did something for both of us. We perhaps had some similar things we needed to do in grief that, not, that everybody else didn't want to do. I still sent him birthday cards. Mm. Cards were a huge thing with dad. Cards with soppy words were a huge thing. Card shops still make me cry. Um, and then I realised that in my day to day, I would have this little mental thought that I would tell dad when I spoke to him next on the phone. I'll tell dad. So he's now got his face, which I'm sure he would not necessarily be happy about, stuck on the front of my fridge. And it's now become, I don't cry anymore. I say, when I go to the fridge, all right, dad? Um, <laughs> and if I want to tell him something, I'll, I'll mention it out loud and that really works for me so I haven't really I've sort of replaced it with a similar thing yeah but I've I've thought about those gaps and the other thing that you said that I I do myself an offer that might be helpful to to clients I think it comes from a, a religious place but I, I don't use it in that way is to say sorry thank you and please so every day I try I don't always remember every single day but I try to, to say sorry to the universe and to myself if you know I had a mean thought or I did something not, not so kind as it could have been because we're never perfect and there's always something I can say you know hmm. sorry I didn't really get that right and then I have my gratitude yeah and 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 I know how hard this can be to hear when someone's in a dark place you know yeah that, that doesn't feel like it's got any gratitude but I will literally as you said you know what look at what's happening in the world I've got a roof over my head food in my tummy my little pets that bring me so much joy. I've got a park really near me where I can go out and get fresh. You know, I, there's always something that I can say. You know, I have so much abundance, really, that I don't need compared to how life, you know, could be. And then the please is, 
you know, whatever you want to say, you know, please, please can I sleep well tonight? Please can world peace suddenly come upon us, can, you know? And it's not to a person, it's it's just out there, but that habit is really helpful in, in holding me when I'm on a bit of a dippy place, you know, and I'm not, not doing as well. And yeah, I'd, I'd say at this point now, you know, getting on for three years along, I am very comfortable crying, which isn't always great for other people who aren't comfortable with crying. But you know, so if I'm sad, when the party you mentioned, I just walked in and he should have been standing at the bar yeah. holding vodka and tonic. So I cried. I didn't scream and howl and disturb the whole party, mm. but you know, I, I shed a few tears because he's he's worthy of them. Mm. And I um and I feel sad. And then I had a joke about some of the funny things about him and we had a chat and and it was okay. I don't I don't try to make that go away. Yeah. It's just not as big and strong as it was in the beginning. And I absolutely agree with you. I have no idea what, what thing will come along to create my demise, but it will come. Yeah. But I don't live every day worrying about it. I just try to, you know, yeah. um, enjoy life as best I can and know things will pass when they're not great. And yeah. Yeah, it's interesting as you're talking there, I was thinking about actually like some of the photos seeing people you know looking back on some of the photos from the evening of the party actually knowing that he should have been in that photo yeah he was missing from that and you see people that you associate with them like their partners and you look around and you go oh sounds like no they're not going to be here yeah and it, it's that initial thing and that's you know the routine of yeah of what you have and and i know for me i know it sounds really stupid <laughs> but i've always had this thought of when when people pass i don't really i don't really see them as they've gone and they've gone forever i just have myself <laughs> laugh so i just have this picture in my head that they're on holiday yeah and they're i'm somewhere like else. i'm like they're off and they're having a wonderful time mm. and i don't like <laughs> that's really silly but i don't have that um and that and that's how i sort of see it i think they're off they're having a wonderful time and you know i know that he's on his cruise yeah you know that that is where he is and and he's enjoying that and that's that's where he is now um but as you were talking just now you i was sort of thinking about you know when you have this loss and almost this like photograph and things that you're seeing around you the loss is that you've got a different perspective now because that person is like taken out of that perspective mm. and you've got a different picture and sometimes when you're in that moment of grief you can't see the wood for, for the trees yeah definitely. but then when that passes and i think it's important to let that process pass we can't ignore it or say oh we've got, got to get over it or yeah. whatever it's important to go through the process trust that process but when we come out of that it's about being aware of what the new perspective looks like mm. you know because that person isn't in the picture anymore what else am i looking at what else is there for me to see and so you know sometimes when we've gone through hard times we go through challenges opportunities come up and and actually we would do things that we wouldn't normally do mm. if they had been here mm. not because they were stopping us but because we're finding a different way we're yeah. on a slightly different path now and, and trusting that is quite difficult because the year that dad was was unwell and then died 
I was the same year that I separated and obviously was, was managing those two things alongside each mm. other. I made quite significant career ch changes and um, a few months after dad died, one of my very closest friends died in a swimming accident. So quite a lot of loss close together. Mm. Yes. Um, and it is hard to see. And I think that's what got me through was I just trusted somehow and some new opportunities did come up and, and things changed. And, and actually, when we were planning to do this today, one of the things that I do with um, uh, Doreen Dad's uh, widow partner is we say what he would have said. And I, I love doing that. And as you said, I kind of imagined him there and I was sad at first, but then got comfort because, you know, your mum and, and our uncle are so have some very similar mannerisms and mm. there's, there's all these other things that are that are going along. But when I thought about doing this, if I'd have said, oh, Dad, I'm going to speak to Lara and we're going to talk about you. And he'd have gone, what are you going to do that for? Don't want to go talking about me. <laughs> what do you mean talk about me? <laughs> and he used to say, what is all that mental health stuff anyway? Just have to get on with it, don't you? And I can hear him, you know, people talk about I've lost the voice. I don't know that I hear exactly the sound of his voice. I just remember with a smile yeah. more than I do with a tear so that he still has presence you know as you said as if he's gone somewhere it's not like they're vanished from your memory and your life no um, definitely not it's he still influences things and yeah because you, you've got to realize i think when people try to forget people i think that's a tricky place to go because actually people who have enriched your life and you know you've had some wonderful times with you should remember those and it's yeah. okay to talk about those and sometimes people get to a place where they go, i just can't talk about it i just can't even say their name yet mm. and that's going through part of the process because yeah. it's that hurt that's inside that and it creates that physical pain mm. as well and it's okay to just sit with that and just go yeah that does hurt yeah and i you know i accept that that's hurting yeah. um but i also appreciate this that and the other yeah or i appreciate the time that i had with that person yeah and you know sometimes that seems so insignificant to the loss that you're feeling but it that will change as yeah. you go and you never forget we should no. never forget those people that have been in our lives you know, we should celebrate them. We should still have their photos up on the wall. We should still have, you know, things around them. We should still say things that they said and we should tell stories about things mm. that they did. Um, I can't tell any stories about your dad on, on this because no. I'd have to do it. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to censor it and lots of bleeping and stuff. It would be too difficult. <laughs> but I will keep them all in my memory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love them and I love them. Yeah. It's 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 great and you know it's about recognizing actually even if that person was only a small part of your life what impact and influence they they had on you yeah so yeah. it's um yeah definitely and i think that gives me you know because one of the things about death is it's a it's a reminder that that's going to happen to us and that's that's a bit scary and you know but i quite like the thought that my loved ones and, and family and children will have little things about me that they will carry on talking about and will, will eventually make them smile. I love that. And my sister-in-law, who was who was only in her 30s, she loved the song Dancing Queen. And so whenever that comes on, I raise an invisible glass or an actual glass and just say, and yeah. I think of her for a moment and it's lovely and I do it with a with a smile. There's lots of things about grandparents that, that pop into your head. The pain 
becomes something much less intense and and I think you do replace the tears with a with a with a smile and and, you know yeah gratitude that you can do that and that you can remember them and the missing is less is less achy (laughs) yes you just acknowledge it you know I wish you were here I wish I wish you were here today you know it's not as as um but yeah I absolutely agree I think not talking about it is and not keeping people's part they've played in your life present is is sad to me you know that we we should do that but but everybody has to do their process yeah very very in how comfortable they are with that and I think you said earlier as well I mean one of the the most significant loss we face is is death of somebody but you know we do lose people in other in other ways and you know for me I had a a mostly happy marriage and he's an absolutely lovely man I'm not I don't want to be in that marriage anymore but I miss being married so you, yeah. you know, there's lots of degrees to what you miss. You know, we lose people in ways to illnesses like um, very significant, serious illnesses, dementia. There are lots of things that happen where we we're, we're dealing with loss actually all the time. Mm. <laughs> so um, we don't talk about it enough, and we definitely don't talk about death. It's a, it's our culture has got some strange routines around, and and um, it's a bit taboo, but. Yeah, I don't that healthy. That's quite significant that you say that, you know, that we are dealing with loss all the time. And I think we don't realise that, that we are dealing with loss on, on many, many levels. You know, when we when we change careers or we, you know, we um kids leave a school or, yeah. you know, we move areas or we emigrate somewhere or, you know, there's, you know, friendships die out don't they as well yeah. and um, loss of youth I think menopause is very much on everybody's <laughs> mind isn't it but loss of our, our younger self because yeah. especially very kind of ageist society that's yes. all sorts of things all the time I mean yeah. for me I lose objects quite often so I'm constantly <laughs> looking for things that I've mislaid but if you think about that in in it's like that's kind of a relatively small but the feelings you can go through you know I yes. know I put it I definitely put it there but it's not there well how could it have gone am I going mad and, you know we go through all sorts of things just by losing you know a key or something so yeah. that's a relatively small thing I was speaking recently to a friend who was finding it quite difficult in recognizing her loss as a single person having become a parent yeah. and realizing that actually she's not gonna ever get back to that point of just making a decision and going off and doing that yeah. because yeah. she Jeez. has a, a responsibility and so realizing you know she's a good few years in now <laughs> but she's realized this point yeah. of actually I've lost that that life of being a single person mm. and when am I going to get this freedom back again you know on a on a level of yeah so, so yeah we we lose things yeah. all the time yeah. and I don't think we quite talk about that or acknowledge that we just yeah. are really looking for things that we're gaining yeah yeah so um yeah, so, yeah. great okay thank you so much very welcome (laughs) for talking today this is this has gone all different places and but i think i've really um i think we've both really spoken on a on a level that actually you know being able to move on it's a process 
it's a process it takes time everybody is different everybody mm. has their own complex situations that are going on and it's okay to continue to talk and celebrate that person mm. who has been in your life and appreciate the time well however long that was the time that you did have together mm. and for that person who is going for them not to be defined by the illness yeah. that that they're having remembering them as them as who they are you know especially with you know when people have dementia or something like that and they become almost a shell of themselves mm. at, in those last last bit of time that's not who that's no. not who they were that's not who we remember them by we remember them as you know we forget sometimes people were young once yeah. and you know remembering all those things that they've achieved in their lives mm -hmm. and really celebrating that and and remembering well i think whatever you believe i think they're all still around whether you think they look over you or mm -hmm. you know they're here in some capacity communicating or or mm -hmm. not whether they're just on the shelf looking at you through a photo yeah <laughs> yeah um it's they're not here in the physical form but we can still continue to love them yeah just as much as when they were here in that physical form mm. brilliant so, so thank you so much for today nicola okay, and um yeah thank you very much thank you for listening to me today and i look forward to speaking to you soon have a great day take care